I'm ashamed to admit that after 15 years of owning a holiday home in Mallorca, I still have difficulty ordering goods in Spanish. For some reason, I have a mental blank about speaking the language. And though I'm capable of picking my way through the Spanish newspapers and interpreting the disasters on the TV, my standard of conversation is on the me, Tarzan, you, Jane level. This causes much amusement in the village shops. A visit from El Gordo, or the fat one as I am known locally, is the nearest thing to entertainment that Sonsevera can offer. At the butchers, a slap on the leg accompanied by eh, means leg of lamb. A gesture towards the small of the back and a does service for steak. Although on one occasion I had a cold and got sweetbreads instead. I daren't ask for sausages. In spite of the language barrier, my family and I are beginning to understand the working of the Mayokin mind. If you expect promptness from tradesmen, you're in for a big surprise. Shopkeepers will say yes out of politeness. We've had half an iron gate for four years, and our shutters are still held back with string. Every six months, the local blacksmith calls in for a sherry, looks at the jobs he's left unfinished. He nods, promises, asks after the family, then we ask after his... And that's it for another six months. I was once having my hair cut in a barber shop in the main street of Calamior. There was no one else in the place, and I was having the full treatment. You know, shampoo, massage, and, and the bit where they put a net over your head and dry your hair with a blower. Rather decadent, but very relaxing. The shop was a large plate glass window, and people were wandering about the street outside. Out the corner of my eye... I saw passing a middle-aged man wearing the unmistakable British holiday gear. Short sleeve cell in his shirt, sandals with socks and khaki shorts. His wife was wearing a mac. They walked out of sight, and after a short pause, they came back again. The woman peered at me through the glass and nodded to her husband. He, in turn, shook his head. Then she called to someone out of vision, and suddenly the window was full of people. Some nodding their heads, others shaking them. They seemed to reach a decision and delegated one of their number to open the door. He was a short, bald man with an aggressive manner. Putting his face up against mine, he scrutinised me carefully, and then, without saying a word to me, he called back to the others who were now crowding the door. It is him! I waved feebly at them. The barber, who was at first nonplussed by this invasion, carried on with his job while I tried to look unconcerned. The crowd outside began shouting encouraging remarks to him as he swiveled my neck this way and that. Slowly, he began to respond to his unexpected audience, and he put a show on for them. His success went to my head. He removed the net, flourished his comb and scissors, and snipped away at my nostril hairs, getting a round of applause for his delicacy of performance. Powder and hair oil flew in all directions as he completed his ministrations. By this time, I too became involved and sang a little snatch from the Barber of Seville. Bravo! cried our audience. The barber whipped a sheet from around my neck like a matador doing a fancy pass with his cape, whisked the hairs away with a brush, and we both bowed to the storm of applause. It was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life. It is also one of the worst haircuts I've ever had. But that's neither here nor there. The audience loved it. And that's all that matters, really, isn't it? Anyway, these little trials are well worth enduring for the privilege of living part-time in Mallorca. Beyond the concrete canyons of Campastia, Aranel and Magaluf, there are banks where the wild garlic grows, where honeysuckle blazes in roadside hedges, and where you can still hear sheep bells and cocks crowing and the lowing of cattle. 
where you can buy bread hot from the baker's oven and find little village bars where for 25 pesetas you can buy a glass of locally made liqueur which will blow your brain straight through the top of your sunburnt skull. And if you think I'm going to tell you where to find them, you must be crazy. But to return to the shopping. Pedro, it is the fat Englishman, shouts Antonia in the direction of the bead curtains at the back of the electrician's shop, forgetting that I know enough Mallorquin to understand my own nickname in the village. I take my shopping list from my pocket and stand at the counter. Pedro, her husband, enters. He is, as usual, unshaven. A stained green pullover, unchanged since the onset of winter. A firm believer in not casting a clout till May be out, he retains the same clouts. June will find him in a stained grey pullover. He's an amateur poet, an amateur philosopher, and my good friend. Hola, senor, he says, leaning on the counter, ready for a chat. With the aid of my pocket dictionary and a lot of mime, I managed to explain that I have come for the Butano heater I left with him to repair last April. It is now February, and my wife and I are here for a couple of weeks, and the house is cold. Frio, moi frio. I flap my arms across my chest. He nods and brings out a bottle of brandy from under the counter. We drink, and he promises to try to come along to the house this afternoon with a heater, although he thinks he may have sold it by mistake. We have another couple of drinks, and I buy a brand new heater, which he will definitely install sometime today, along with a new toaster I seem also to have bought. I leave the shop and make my way carefully to Juan the Butcher's. There is a queue of ladies all in black, which I join. Some I know by sight, and I nod to them, eliciting a smile here and a distant inclination of the head there. Conversation stops momentarily. Noses are wrinkled at the smell of brandy at 10.30 in the morning, and then it begins anew as they discuss me. Juan the Butcher sees me, and in his halting English, invites me to come forward to the head of the queue. I take one look at the faces around me and decide to wait my turn. There is talk of witchcraft in San Severa. I'm not taking chances on sudden stabbing pains in the night. Back to the car at last, leaving behind a faint ripple of laughter from the customers, I check my list again. Carrots, cabbage, onions, garlic, in my wife's handwriting. One bottle of Marques de Riscal and one bottle of Thunderdor in my own heavier hand. I can get all these in one shop. Miguel's in Calabona, which is only a kilometre or two away. The shop is empty, and after I've picked the fresh vegetables from the boxes on the floor, Miguel invites me to sample a new cask of red wine he has just had delivered. I sip from the glass he offers me with a, an air of great concentration, concealing my utter ignorance of the subject of wine. I'll take it as red, I say cleverly in English. It doesn't translate very well into Spanish. He pours me a glass of local liqueur. This time... I'm unable to comment in any language. It takes two more glasses for me to get my breath back. I nod numbly and stagger out of the shop with a bottle of yerbas with which I shall start the fire. Miguel helps me to load the car and I drive home through fields of almond trees in full blossom, though it might be more appropriate to use the road. The air is like wine and the sea a cobalt blue. Outside our house, the dingy white of Pedro's van contrasts with a colourful hibiscus, and from the chimney comes a wisp of smoke. I get out of the car and heave a sigh of content. <sighs> Who could ask for anything better than Mallorca on a lovely February morning? I open the door of our idyllic holiday home to find my wife putting Pedro out. 
What I mean is that he has set his pullover on fire, testing the new Batano heater. There's no real harm done, and he gets one of my pullovers to wear. From the way he's feeling the material, spring is going to be a little late this year. It is later in the year, and I am lying on my back, watching the blue Mediterranean sparkle in the space between the ruined columns of my outstretched legs. A distant fishing boat appears from behind the enlarged joint of my left big toe and sails slowly towards the spread toes of my right foot, briefly reappearing four times until it disappears behind the peninsula of the Perno bottle. Around me, the patio bakes in the noonday sun, and even the flies seek the shade. My wife is out shopping for the afternoon, and the house is mine. My Yorker out of season is peaceful and calm. Hola, says a voice behind me. Pedro, the electrician, has arrived from the village to put up a light fitting we have brought out from England. Mucha calor, he says, squatting on the step and fanning himself with his hat. Too much hot. He is wearing his perennial woolen cardigan. I make a drinking sign with my hand. Cerveza? I inquire. He shakes his head. This is an old game with us. He will refuse two offers and accept gracefully the third. After that, there's no stopping him. I bring him a bottle of beer from the fridge. Salud! He sips appreciatively, smacking his lips. Alaman, he says, looking at the label on the bottle. See, si, I say, choosing the word carefully. He takes another long swig from the bottle of German beer and goes back into the house with it. I settle back to enjoy the sunshine. I'm nodding off nicely when Pedro taps me on the shoulder. In his hand, he holds the light fitting. Complicado, he says, waving bits of wire in my face. Usted? He digs me in the chest with a screwdriver. Venga conmigo. I go with him. Sistema inglesa, he explains. The light dangles from its appointed place on the wall, wires spewing from it. He begins a series of eliminations on the various wires, and when he considers himself satisfied, he asks me to hold the lamp while he switches on the electricity. The shock hurls me across the room. No es bueno, he says, sucking his teeth reflectively. He takes the lamp from me and studies it. I lie panting against the wall. The door opens and five Dutch people come in, two adults and three large flaxen-haired children with whom my eight-year-old daughter made friends the previous summer. They laugh heartily at my appearance. I get up trembling from the floor and try to convey what has happened. They laugh louder. Pedro joins in, making a huge arc with his screwdriver as he describes in pantomime my flight across the room. He touches the wire in his enthusiasm, and it is my turn to smile. The Dutch people sit down on the settee. It is a long one, and they sit upright in the middle of it. Father on the left, three children in the middle, and mother on the right. Dead straight like a row of blonde tulips. We stare at each other for a while in silence. Then Pedro offers them drinks, which I think is a bit much. Me get them, I say, taking firm command of the situation, and falling over Pedro's toolbox in the way to the fridge. At this moment, the telegraph boy arrives with a telegram. Esse combo, please, Thorn Agant, rebroadstay offer, Questex, RRPL72, I read. Thorn obviously means phone, and Agent is equally certain to be agent. Working on this theory, Broadstay has to be Broadway. Broadway, I think. That's exciting. Importanto, I say to Pedro, waving the telegram at him. Telefono at once, so. He understands eventually and nods. 
The Dutch family just sit expectantly, waiting for me to fall over something again. I point to the fridge and make the drinking motion with my hand. Pedro gets the idea immediately. The nearest telephone is in Sonsevera, three miles away. And though my journey there is full of expectancy, my return is equally full of despondency. The Broadway show has turned out to be a Sunday concert in Broadstairs. I've only been away for half an hour, but there's plenty of time for Pedro to have drunk enough to be teaching the Dutch mother a Spanish flamenco. From the settee, the rest of the family provide a hand-clapping accompaniment. Olé! cries Pedro as I arrive. Oh no! I reply, snatching the bottle from his hand. That is the signal for my wife to arrive. There's nice. Having a party, are we? She says in a bright voice. Uh, Pedro's been fixing the light. I point to the wall. She looks. It's upside down. Well, it's an English fitting, though, and he's not used to them. Not used to German beer, either, is he? I had to agree. Myra turns to the Dutch family, and by some means unknown to me, engages them in earnest conversation. I go back out onto the patio and sit down in the deck chair. Five minutes later, it starts to rain. <laughs>